Enter the crib. Your strike back sit rep starts in three, two, one. Wait, do we go on zero? Welcome back, Meavers. We are here for your newest sit rep. We are so excited. We are going to be talking about Velocipaster, which just Velocipaster, which just came out on the thirteenth, and we even have an interview with the writer and director uh, Brendan Steer coming up. So stay tuned for that. I'm Kelsey, and I'm Deb. Oh, this movie was—it was mind blowing. <laughs> Okay, I'll be honest though. I so it takes a lot. Like I like a good comedy, but it takes a lot to make me literally like laugh out loud, like guffaw. And I was cracking up at this. I mean, like, like just to the point where Fia actually turned around and was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> this, was, this it was. It was a lot of fun. Ridiculous! But, right. It's just ridiculous. It is it's ridiculous, so but it's cool. like. It, it, but it is. So I'm not like a big like a fan of those like Sharknado. Oh no. You know, but this there was something about the like. It was over the top, but not. I don't like like it was well, over, the top, over the, the top. Prim, it was a premise, but then it wasn't like Sharknado where it's just like crazy like CGI and all of this stuff. Like this was like they have rubber dinosaur hands. Like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah one point we know it's not going to be crazy cgi because the explosion in the beginning yes <laughs> what is it what do they just put up a little it sign says, that says like VFX. insert fx or something yeah, VF, vfx car on fire uh i was like i'm in i'm sold <laughs> yeah. so funny i mean you, you have to know going in that it's basically a spoof on I don't even know how many movies. I mean, there's so many different movies being referenced in this, but you know, it's just a ridiculous spoof and it doesn't take itself seriously at all. And it's so ridiculously funny. It, it <laughs> it's is. Just... It's... So first of all, there are going to be spoilers. So don't listen if you haven't seen it. Um, or if you listen, if you don't care if you're spoiled, it's not like, <laughs> frankly, it's not like in game or something, you know, um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, but it's, it is a spoof, but it's not making fun of them, I think is the big, and maybe that's the difference because like Sharknado always felt like it was also kind of making fun of those kind of movies. Um, whereas this does feel like just like a really fun, I don't know how to describe it, but it is so much fun. I mean, I knew as soon as the, the first screen that comes on, it says like rated X by a jury of all Christians. I was like, brilliant. By an all Christian panel. But yeah, I was like, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so it it is, it is over the top. It is, yeah, so this, yeah, I don't even have words. It's kind of one of those movies you have to see to believe. And, you know, I don't think we should go into too much detail of how this film came about until we talk with Brendan. Right. Because... I mean, that's really part of the whole gift of this ridiculousness yes. <laughs> is the backstory on how this film was made. So, but there are just so many funny things in this. It's just one gag after another. And, you know, there are points where it gets, where they go on a little too long that I wish, you know, they could have tightened up this film yeah, a little bit, and it you know I think it would have been even funnier. Yeah, um, and the whole time, the whole one of the gags is just this like evil laugh that just goes on forever, <laughs> evil laugh parody. And all I could think of was you telling Jason, <laughs> Jason Tobin, about uh, how you hated his evil laugh. Uh, this evil laugh. <laughs> it just laugh. goes on and on and on in this film, and it's so ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. It, it's so ridiculous, but it's funny. And I was a little worried when the ninjas, ninjas people, ninjas, <laughs> show up. I was like, oh, we're going to get into some kind of, like, weird, like, racial stuff. But then I was like, oh, okay, no, this is just funny. <laughs> there, you know. We should probably tell people that, like, <laughs> I don't think we've actually said that it's about a priest who 
becomes infected and turns can turn into a dinosaur. Yeah, turns into a velociraptor. <laughs> he embraces this side of himself, this hungry, and decides to use it to kill evil. And he's but he a- does that after meeting the prostitute. The first person he saves is a hooker pre-med lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of demand for a hooker doctor lawyer. <laughs> that was my favorite line. Surprisingly low demand. Yeah. <laughs> for a hooker lawyer doctor. Oh, that was my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It was just too ridiculous. And I really liked her. I thought she was funny. Yes, he's opposed by a group of ninjas. It would be a spoiler to tell you why, but <laughs> they are... Uh, yeah. It, I don't even know. Okay, so I'll tell you my favorite line, what made me literally, like, I could not stop giggling, um, was when they finally make the decision, like, he, when she convinces him, like, you can use this for good. We'll take down evil guys. And she's like, I don't know a lot, much about God. And he goes, I don't know much about dinosaurs. And I just... <laughs> died laughing i was like that's amazing um greg cohen plays doug jones and he's brilliant he nails that like weird earnest parody thing with like so much i mean he just he's just brilliant i think perfect casting choice yeah um yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing oh uh- <laughs> Guys, I mean, so basically, he turns into a Dino Dexter, and it's yeah, you know, yeah. I that's all I get. Oh, oh, oh as soon as she said, like "Let's too. come up with a code," <laughs> like, oh my god, it's Dino Dexter. Yes. Oh, when, well, but he's oh. like, "What are we gonna do?" She's like, "Let's make a plan." Plan. Yes. I was like, "Yes, a, a plan." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, when he's sitting in taking confessions and writing down yes, who the right. evil people are. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then we oh. get these like flashbacks to his family and it's the uh, the opposite of the evil laugh. It's the happy family laugh, but it just is like absurd. And then you get the flashback to Vietnam um, with his like priest mentor who, <laughs> spoiler alert, his girlfriend shows up in the middle of Vietnam which you can imagine is not a great thing. And I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> what is going on? Oh, this movie has it all. We've got pimps. We've got like voodoo priests. We've got ninjas and dinosaurs. The only thing it didn't have was cowboys. But other than that, oh, aliens didn't have aliens. But I guess you had the green scaly lizard, so... <laughs> actually a couple of scenes with some pretty great makeup effects and like the whole scene of the exorcism when he transforms I thought that was pretty well done that was that was great other time (laughs) that suit is just like so that last scene is so over the top I I just couldn't yeah. <laughs> it does it does like a jaws you don't see the full dino until the very end and he's like a hunchback dino <laughs> <laughs> because that's where that yeah, that's where the, the dude head the costume's is. head is so that's <laughs> where it all just and with like the bad guy he pulls <sighs> off his mannequin head and they don't even try to hide that it's a mannequin head <laughs> And he turned it around and yeah. did it again. Oh my god. That, I mean, but that just... was what was so brilliant about it because they didn't even like it wasn't over CGI'd to try to make it into it was something no it CGI, wasn't. Yeah. It was just here's some blood <laughs> spraying in his mouth. <laughs> oh. You guys have to watch this movie. It's it's on Amazon. You have to rent it. It's not. I don't. I didn't see it anywhere for free uh, yet. But it's completely worth like getting the movie, either renting or buying because you're gonna watch it and then you're gonna want to all invite all of your friends over to watch it. Um, I, I can easily see this movie becoming like sort of a Rocky Horror esque cult classic yes, where they all just exactly. start yelling out lines. Yes, and because there's so many funny just parody lines in the whole thing and the the best part is 
the entire cast just plays it straight. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, for some of these lines, they sort of ham it up, but it's a real low-key, you know, ham it up. They're really playing it straight, and that's part of what makes it so funny is just... (laughs) so ridiculous and they're so serious (laughs) yeah i know and that that's funny because i had the same thought i thought yeah so in 10 years i think this is going to be on movie theaters like in movie theaters like once yeah like once a year and and people are gonna be wearing velociraptor costumes like this was just which really is like one of those t-rex costumes that are just like blown up not really a velociraptor i mean i guess they kind of show like his big nail like they do in you know like uh, Jurassic Park. But um, I- I'll tell you, my only thing that I was like, oh, come on, was like the longest split scene sex scene I've ever yeah, seen in my life. It was not... it's too much. I was like, yeah. this is funny, haha. And there's their <laughs> hands again. Yeah, and the and... seizure-inducing yeah, yeah, lighting. It was that so that was my yeah that went on too long. Like, are we just doing this so everyone can see the editing? Yeah. Tricks you know how to do. <laughs> a little, yeah. I mean, the gags that went on that went on too long were funny, but that just was like, okay, all right, we get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the one, like, you know, <laughs> and the like. Oh my god! Like the purpose of the ninjas. <laughs> kind of... Declining enrollment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It just was so, they're, I'm speechless. I mean, it was just, yeah, from start to finish. Like, when they show him climbing through the the forest, the beginning, and it's, like, very obviously, like, Virginia or someplace like that, you know, like, you know, and then it's, like, China. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. Go somewhere where you think God is not, or what's that like? Go somewhere where you think you won't find God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and if you find God there, then you'll know he's within you. <laughs> like Spotter Stewart had some of the most idiotic lines. So, so I, and I wonder because I just realized, so Father Stewart is, play, is played by Daniel Steer. I wonder if that's Brennan Steer's dad. Hmm, I'll have to ask him because um, I thought that was really funny that like, because he was very befuddled. <laughs> I would say, so, which works perfectly I, the for the time part. I'm thinking, is he stoned? Because he, <laughs> he just seems stoned, and he clearly loves to drink because his answer for many conundrums was to just drink more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, can we can we make this more stereotype? But oh god, when the parents died, and he's like, here, have another drink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> everything, everything. Literally, except for the sex scene, everything was genius. And I am so excited to talk to Brennan Steer about writing this because how much fun must that have been to, to like, <laughs> but it's also like really impressive to find that balance of, of not going so far as to be just another Sharknado that is whatever, because this was different enough that it will live in, in, in infamy for forever. <laughs> And it's really great that he's just, you know, I love that it's kind of become this little cult phenomenon yeah, already. already. You know? Because it, it it's not a new film. I mean, it's been out, he, he made it a couple years ago, but, um, and it, I think it slowly has been, get, you know, garnering these audiences and that's why. Well, but it hasn't been out for public It hasn't yet. been out available, but I yeah, think he's but been... it's been, yeah, like the trailer, I think, is what blew up initially. Right. And then, but the festivals, it's done apparently pretty, like they've been sharing it and, 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 uh, and yeah, it's been getting a lot of press, which is, I mean, for a movie that they made for $35,000. <laughs> and I'm thinking, where did that go? <laughs> <laughs> Just the actors, that's it. <laughs> and they went to, like, they went to, like goodwill to find everything else, oh. including the dinosaur costume. Oh man, oh, there's there's actually a credit for creating the dinosaur. Costume. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, I, I think, yeah, I think somebody actually pieced that together. That's amazing. I I'm loving. I'm like looking at the IMD page, and um, there's literally Sam the White Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
oh my gosh. Yeah, you guys, you I have to- love every time they go to the ninja school, that there's always like two ninjas. Just practicing. Just practicing. <laughs> They've been standing there for like three weeks, just punching and, just and occasionally punching. kicking. <laughs> and, the, and there's, every time they do it, there's that, you know, stereotypical yeah, yeah. sound effects. So yeah. Funny. Yeah. I forget what the grandmaster's name was, but oh gosh, we have to fight the evil in the world and that attacks us or whatever, like declining enrollment. <laughs> Oh, Wei Chan. Don't use my Christian name. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, it, it was it was really fun. I can almost guarantee you will love this movie and crack up. I don't see like unless you're like a super film snob. I don't see you watching this and not enjoying it. It's only an hour and 11 minutes. You've got that. You know, that's just a little more than a strike back episode. <laughs> Go watch Velocipaster. I promise you a will totally not. Totally different experience. Yes. <laughs> so don't have that expectation. You can still have high expectations, but not strike back expectations. Yeah, so, no, it's not yeah, strike back. There, there are some fights, but. <laughs> I was thinking, like, should we pick a favorite fight? And I was like, oh my gosh, no. The <laughs> fight was pretty good. The witch I was fight? Carol was Carol oh. kicked some ass. Carol that did was good. good. Hooker, doctor, lawyer, fighter. <laughs> I don't know where. Oh, Carol. Yeah, I know. Ends <laughs> in this huge battle with the ninjas, and Carol's like right in there. Except they, you know, they're switching from his his fight scene to her fight scene, and you can just see her standing like. <laughs> Yeah. Paused in motion during his yeah. fight scene. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like I'm speechless. Um yeah, it was amazing. Oh, I did want to comment on one of the <laughs> in the Vietnam flashback. Uh I thought it was brilliant when he's talking to his best friend and the friend was like, Have eleven kids. Spend 15 minutes with them each a day. Like, it's like this huge, you're going to sacrifice 15 minutes a day to spend with your kids and name them after, like, your best friend from war. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, that's brilliant because that is so every war movie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then when his, you know, when he's sitting on the chair near the building with the two soldiers in back of yes. him and he, and Adelaide his yes. love of his life shows, shows up and up. we won't tell you what happens it's pretty predictable but it's also like where the way they do it is so ridiculous but when they're like you know standing in back of him drenched in blood they're like I wonder what she was doing in the forest <laughs> oh, probably trying to start a family yeah There's so much good. There's so we could literally just sit and do an entire podcast like of watching it. Oh my god. Yeah. Amazing. We won't, but no, we could. We, won't, but we could. <laughs> uh yeah. So any final thoughts, Deb? Uh mm, no. All I don't right. think I think it was just it's just Expect to have fun. Don't take any anything seriously, even though the actors do. Please don't take it seriously and just be ready for a fun ride because it's just craziness. It's insanity and yeah. it's fun. And and seriously, like have a party and watch yeah. it with your friends. Oh yeah, because yeah. I I am definitely gonna have to plan to do that with friends because this was one that will be even more fun. Like it's fun to watch by yourself, but it will be even more fun to watch with other people and just like. Did you see that? Oh my god! Yeah, and it will be one of the, because it's short enough. You could watch it a couple times, and yeah, you know, yeah, just, <laughs> just kind of Rocky Horror. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, all right. Well, that's that is it for Velocipaster. We are going to be talking to Brendan Steer. Uh, so stick around. We're not at Xville. Stay with us at the crib. All right, welcome back, memers. We are so excited to have. Brendan Steer, the writer, director, creator of the insanely 
I don't even know how to de describe Velocipaster. Um, basically, I mean, it's the new Rocky Horror Picture Show is what we decided in our review. It is the show we think in 10 years you are going to be going to a theater dressed as a Velociraptor or something a or a pimp or a priest in a Halloween or costume a and throwing Dr. popcorn at yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Frankie Mermaid. I just want right. one Frankie Mermaid, Frankie Mermaid cosplay and that will be when I know we've made it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So thank you thank so you. much, Brendan, for them, for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys. So I read a little bit about where this came from, um, <laughs> but how a misspelling goes to where it has become can you tell our listeners a little bit about how this crazy idea came about yeah um so so it was in fact a a uh, an autocorrect on my phone i i was i was texting one of my friends about dinosaurs and uh my phone autocorrected velociraptor to Velosa space pastor and this was back in like 2010 so grindhouse had just come out and I was watching a lot of this website called Trailers from Hell. And so I was just being bombarded by these kind of grind housey titles. And for some reason, when I looked down at my phone, me at age like 20, I was my only thought was, yeah, it sounds like a movie. I don't know. Like, that sounds like <laughs> the dopest movie I've ever heard of. So I, I just sort of chased the inspiration. I mean, inspiration in general just kind of comes from the most bizarre random places. So I think it's just a matter of kind of being open to that. Like when you, it, you know, you can be inspired for a story by like a, a song or a weirdly shaped building or a conversation you have with somebody. So in the grand scheme of things, an autocorrect isn't that <laughs> weird. <laughs> but it's definitely, I, I never thought in that moment it would change the trajectory of my life. So yeah, that, that part's been a little surreal. Now, you originally just did a trailer. You filmed a trailer for it, and that sort of went viral. Can you tell us what that was like when it just sort of took off? Yeah, um, I remember exactly where I was. I was <laughs> visiting my aunt and uncle, and I had released it like two or three days beforehand. And they had really bad internet at their house. <laughs> and so I was only like getting a bit of the internet every once every like hour. And each time I checked it, there were like 8,000 more views. And I was oh, just wow. kind of like, uh, trying to explain to like, you know, um, these people in their 70s, what <laughs> going viral meant and kind of what was happening. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was just that to an even bigger degree for the uh, feature film where mm -hmm. it, it was, you know, there, there's a tiny bit of cynicism kind of baked into you where you're sort of like well I mean it's doing something today but by Thursday it'll be gone just because of the way the internet works like no nothing against the movie but just the internet is arbitrary <laughs> with a lot of this stuff it comes and goes you know remember left shark <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, it just there's no rhyme or reason to it so I just kept assuming it would stop like that there, I would wake up one morning and no one would care about it and that just didn't happen. It just kept going. And, uh, you know, the that was back at, at Easter that things started blowing up. And it hasn't really slowed down. So it's been just an incredible uh, meteoric press journey <laughs> uh, that took us all, I think, a bit by surprise. Just a quick follow-up. So you went from the trailer to the feature film. And I'm sure the trailer probably didn't take very long to write. But the film actually has a lot of really great sort of parody references to other films and television shows and some really hysterical lines in it. So how long did it take you to pull this whole thing together? It took two days to write. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, all right, all right. No, I, I'll, I'll backtrack that a little bit. Thank you. First Which all, tells I, me I, quite I, a bit about your mind. Yes. Yeah, so... So the funny thing was, of course, um, you know, I, ma I made the the short, like you said, um, and I wasn't expecting to do anything with it beyond that. It was a film school project. So I, I when it started blowing up, you know, I, I was surprised, but it kind of proved to me that at the very least there was an audience for this kind of thing. And, you know, as a filmmaker, part of your art is finding the audience. It's like you... you might make the best film of all time, and if nobody sees it, you kind of didn't. 
the audience is an essential part of filmmaking. And so I kept thinking about this this thing I had made that an audience responded to. And for a couple of years, I kept trying to write it. And I would get like 20, 25 pages in and just hate it. Like, it was just sort of like, no fun. I, I was just overthinking every aspect of it, kind of like um, really agonizing over like the, the socio-political implications of Velocipaster. <laughs> And then at a certain point, like four or five years after the trailer, uh, I I sort of hit a moment of being like, there's a movie about a priest who turns into a dinosaur. <laughs> like, maybe you should just chase the fun of it. And that is reason enough for it to exist. It does not have to be a grand statement about something. Um, literally just brightening people's days is enough for you to devote a couple of years of your life to this. And so... Once I kind of hit that, then yes, literally it took two days to write. <laughs> and I, I had sort of just, I, I think through osmosis incorporated some of the best ideas from the previous drafts. Um, but it, it definitely wasn't me like going back and like copying, pasting stuff. I, I, I deleted them. I, they, they're gone. I don't know where they are. <laughs> so it was just sort of things I remember. They're out there somewhere we can find them. Yeah. <laughs> they might be hidden on like a very old hard drive that we're going to need like a, a 2011 Mac to, to access. But yeah, no, that was the that was the genesis. I just chased the fun. And there were some minor changes once we got to set. So I don't want to take total full credit. And, and I am definitely a person that is not at all a... Uh, slavish to the script like like you have to be able to variate on it when you're on set sometimes it'll sound awkward sometimes it's just not as funny as you thought it would be and you have to be open to chasing uh chasing it to make it better on set so yeah two-ish days <laughs> <laughs> two-ish um i just wanted to quickly tell you you mentioned brightening someone's day both kelsey and i watched it like six o'clock in the morning and i I know I was laughing all day long, just referencing back certain lines. I mean, I I couldn't get the, you know, surprisingly little call for a hooker doctor lawyer line <laughs> out of my mind all day long. I'm so, so happy people hear that line. I'm I'm worried sometimes it gets buried because it comes like no. right after another laugh. And I'm so happy that that uh, at one of the screenings we did, somebody brought a sign that just said hooker doctor lawyer. And I'm <laughs> so happy i was just like yes <laughs> it, yeah. it really is funny and and i think your transition from like overthinking it to not maybe is a little bit of like film school and then like real life <laughs> yes exactly and it was definitely that film school mentality i was really bringing to it when i tried to uh tried to write it at first yeah. and it's like that's not a bad thing but it for this project it was Right. Like, like it's just the wrong project to kind of sit there and um, really, uh, yeah, I don't know, dig for meaning in. Because the sort of, the meaning is the, the, the genre of it. It's a parody. So it's like, that is enough. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was a... Yeah, uh, what I found really compelling, though, for me was, so, I mean, I've watched Sharknado, it, like, what was it, like... Uh, whale wolf versus shark something i don't know anyways and, and those are like they're really stupid i mean they can be fun in the right setting but they're just it's not my thing um this was amazing because it was a parody but it was like like a kind parody maybe yes. in, in a way yes. that just was so and 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 it wasn't it was over the top plot wise, but it wasn't like cgi shark tornado right. it was amazing yes, yes. it was just this quiet funny so and and your greg cohen as doug jones was like i can't i made my husband watch this with me just so i could go i don't know much about dinosaurs repeatedly to him all day long because that line i laughed so hard that my eight-year-old turned around and was like are you okay like <laughs> i mean it was yeah. just this like oh i Thank so you. amazing so when you're writing it and and i in, in your two days, but also yeah, as you're filming it, how do you make sure that it walks that line between parody and making fun of the genre? 
Yeah, um, it, it's funny you bring that up because it was um, I also don't particularly love things like Sharknado. There, there's a very sort of cynical, cruel edge to them. Like they're, they're kind of coming from the place of, man, fuck these dumb movies, right? Yeah. And I did. I, I've never liked that about them. I love these dumb movies. Like I, I really sincerely do. They're some of my favorite films, and so I, I really. What what I really wanted to capture overall with Velocipaster was the feeling of watching one of those movies when you're a kid and sort of just like being in this place of like, what is going on yeah. <laughs> the whole time? And and just to to celebrate that. So it was definitely intentional that that um there were one or two jokes that on set came across as a little too mean. And so uh I, I cut them because it was just sort of like that it's tonally off. Uh my buddy described it to me after he saw it as a, a curiously PG-rated exploitation film. <laughs> and that <laughs> is the perfect description of it. Like that, that I couldn't have put it better myself. Where it is, you know, it's kind it's a it's empirically a gory movie. But when I look when I think back to it, it doesn't feel violent. Mm -hmm. It feels like yeah. fun. Like a, a Bugs Bunny cartoon doesn't feel violent. It's it's a very right. similar kind of thing. And um, yeah, so so when we were on set, honestly, that that tonal line was the hardest to walk. That's what most of sort of the mental power went to. That and uh, the the sort of more abstract concept of how bad is just bad. Like how bad can you push the film before it literally breaks and people just don't care anymore. And that happens to me quite a bit with with things like Sharknado. Not to just use it as a punching bag, but like I don't know any character names in that movie, and I've definitely seen it more than once. And I still think of them as like Ian Ziering, Tara Reid, things like that. And I didn't want that. I wanted people to leave this movie thinking Doug and Carol, and like not not just because the actors are probably people you wouldn't recognize, but because I wanted the force of their I wanted their characters to feel real, at least those two. Um, everybody else can be kind of a caricature, kind of a uh, fun bit, but those two and at least their romance needs to have an element of reality in it. Otherwise, the audience at a certain point is literally just gonna shut off. Like the, the, you'll hit probably an hour in and you'll sort of get the fun joke of like the random shit and then you'll start tuning out. So it was important to me to keep that relationship very real. And that was how I wanted to anchor it more in sincerity and more in uh, a, a genuine affection than, than kind of a, uh, yeah, something that's a little more maybe angry. Yeah. So I have to ask you, as you bring up, you know, what, how bad is too bad? Or, so, or how, however you phrase, how too bad, when is too bad just bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at the very end, the mannequin head. <laughs> it works brilliantly and is hysterical, but how in your calculation were you able to recognize that that was not going to be too bad and be bad? Because that seems like yeah, yeah. rolling the dice real, like, real hard. Well, it, it's definitely, you know, you know what it is? Uh, first of all, it, genuinely, I was like, it's just funny. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's, there's no way we can afford like a good realistic prop head. Yeah. So you got to embrace it. You got to just wear that on your sleeve and be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to use this dumb mannequin head that has obviously just been painted to look like Ji Chang. A mannequin head, by the way, that we just had lying around in our apartment. Because um, <laughs> of course we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think with a lot of those things, it really... It's a difficult thing to describe because a lot of it comes back to the very unsatisfying answer of it's a gut feeling. Like it it really is like that that was also why I chose to edit the movie myself. I I mean I edit, but usually um you know on my previous feature I worked with an editor and I've done that in the past before with other short films. But with this one I knew the tone was going to be so specific and the humor in it was so so specific that I thought it would be better if I did it myself because I, I, it's a very hard tone to articulate. And a lot of the time, the only litmus test I had for if it was going to work is if it felt right. 
And the mannequin head was one of the things like that, where I was just like, I don't know. It seems really funny. <laughs> so I'm just going to go for it. And hopefully people will be on board. Well, we were definitely on board, especially when he turns it around and holds it up yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the best moment. That was moment. just great. Um, I have to tell you, I have one of my best strike back watching friends is this man who's about 70 years old and he's just super into B movies. Wow. Like he... He waits all week to watch Sven Gulli. I don't know if you guys get that out there, but yeah. Yep, yep. And he has a group of other 60, 70 year old guys that they go specifically go to the movies. Like if there's the their biggest critique, a bad critique of a movie is that there's too much dialogue. They just <laughs> they just want the action. They just want the idiocy of the yeah, movie. Yeah. And it, they call themselves the B-Movie Club, and that's all they watch is B-movies. So I showed him this, and he keeps, he's like, do you think that's on disc? Do you think I could get that? I mean, I, how could I get that? I got to show it to the other guys. I'm like, okay, I'll go over and we can watch it again. But yeah, yeah. Um, one of the reasons the movie works so well is that Doug and Carol play it so straight that, mm. you know, I mean, some, and, and, Father Stewart, too, oh, plays it fairly oh, straight. And the, the, the guy. <laughs> um, played by my actual real-life father. Is he? That's why I, I wondered. And is the, the guy in the dinosaur suit your brother? Yes. Is that yes. Okay. For, uh, for the most part. I'm in the suit sometimes. You're in the and suit And it sometimes. was <laughs> okay. because nobody else would fit. Okay. <laughs> so my brother and I are both somewhat shorter guys. And so we were both just kind of like, oh, we, are the, we are the expendable people on this crew. It's time for us to jump into the costume. Uh, yeah. Well, so they play it straight for the whole film. Was that your choice as a director or did they kind of come up with that? How... Was, How did you decide to go in that? We are so into this role. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was definitely, um, it, it was a collaborative thing with both of them, for sure. Uh, Carol, from the beginning, I knew was going to probably have to function mostly as the movie's straight man. Like, like she's sort of, in most of the scenes she's in, she's the one sort of serving, setting up the pitch for the other character to make the joke. And my my whole ethos with Carol was that like if this was a bad movie that you did just discover from the 70s or something usually when it's a really great bad movie like that there's always one or two actors that you're like she's really good like she's better than this movie kind of thing or he or whomever and I wanted her to be sort of that character and I knew Alyssa was was talented enough to pull it off with um Doug and Greg it was definitely he and I had a real, we, we discussed a lot in pre-pro this kind of sliding scale of um, how, how much, how bad the acting was at any given time. Um, where it's like there were going to be, have to be certain scenes with Doug where it's, he plays it totally straight and very serious and acts it any way he would any other movie. And then there are the scenes where I'm like, go full Shatner, like just, yeah. just go for it. <laughs> And he has to sort of exist on that scale, and it can't be too too much whiplash when he goes between the two extremes. Like, this is a guy that has to be able to deliver very sincere I love you dialogue, and also like a, what? And <laughs> it's okay. So it was, it was definitely, um, he was the hardest character for sure, which makes sense because he's the protagonist. He's in almost every scene. Uh, but it, it, he was difficult because you're not just... You can't approach him like you do a regular character because there's another layer to it, almost like a weird meta layer of this is an actor playing a character mm -hmm. playing a character. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that that was, you just had to um, really feel it out with him depending on the scene. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. We all, all three of us talked about that a lot though in, in pre-pro and on, on set. They were just so good, and we laughed so much. Well, usually when we do a review, we have, like, favorite fight, favorite emotional moment, like, biggest what-the-fuck moment, whatever. We just were like, what was your favorite line? This line, and then this line, and then this line, and then this line. And, like, we just like, were laughing so hard. I was like, oh, I can't even you. pick a favorite. Like, how do you pick That's a favorite awesome. between, like, like, I mean, everything. I mean, just, just the simple, like, oh, Carol. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I was like... 
snorting with laughter. It just, it's so yeah. brilliant. It Thank has you. exploded. I mean, you, there are, I think the most mind-blowing to me was there's an article on Forbes about it, which I was like, really? Yeah. Of all places? So yeah. how has that been for you? Like, is it crazy? And do you feel like, like, are you getting job calls? Because, I mean, this, you're brilliant writing. I mean, this is Thank really you. just incredible. So, I mean, are we going to see, like, more from you because of this movie? I hope so. Um, definitely, I, I will say that the, uh, you know, the, the press on this has been just uh, a whole nother strange animal to it. Like, like in, in a mostly positive way. Um, an overwhelmingly positive way. But, I mean, there have been moments of it being just straight-up stressful. There were a couple of weeks where I just had to turn off notifications on my phone because I couldn't get through a conversation without um, Twitter blowing up. <laughs> and it's like, you know, hashtag first world problems. But it is, <laughs> like, it is stressful. Like, that's what they don't tell you about success is that all of a sudden your you're news like right. there, there was one, um, I tweeted something stupid from my own personal uh, Twitter and within an hour, Dread Central had reported it. And it was like, it, it was it was something to tangentially do with Velocipaster. So it made sense, but I was just like, whoa, I didn't send out a press release. I didn't like, you know, it, it, and you do have to start being more conscious of that. I, I mean, like, Twitter and social media are obviously a public space, so there's always a degree of you self-censoring. You know, you don't necessarily say the same things to a friend in confidence that you would shout to a room. And Twitter is the world's group chat. So you just got to be, like, a little aware of what you're doing. So there's definitely been an aspect of that. In terms of uh, what will happen next, I'm, I am hoping that... There have been a couple of people that reached out, but it's definitely the, you know, the way... Hollywood works is that you you don't you don't announce anything until the money's in your bank account. <laughs> so exactly. it's kind of like I, I wouldn't I would not want to make any sort of declarative statements here, but I I hopefully something will happen soon. Yeah, I mean, and I will definitely make another movie. I I, I don't know when, but uh, it will happen. Yes. So you're you're in L.A. area right now. Did I read correctly that you had sort of an opening or a film festival going on out there right now? Yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, okay. On, on Saturday, the night of Saturday the 17th, uh, we're doing a midnight screening in Hollywood. I'm very excited. Uh, finally, we can have an L.A. screening. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. You've... Um, You've premiered it at different film festivals, and um, can you tell us, like, what's been the path of that? You know, when you when you play it at a festival, have people already sort of, you know, are they familiar with it already and know what to expect, or what's what's the vibe like uh, on the festivals? Yeah, it's it's funny how how much it's evolved because like we premiered this in 2017 in Portland. And we were like nobody. Like so, it, it was a re it was a nice turnout, and everybody seemed to have a really good time. And we had like two or three other festivals lined up, kind of during that time. And what started happening was that, of course, it was new to the audience. This was like the world premieres, and um, it had not caught on fire online yet. So it was just sort of this scrappy, weird indie movie nobody had heard of. The kind of thing that like. I had a lot of people saying to me, like, I looked at the schedule for the festival and I saw the title and was like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, and so it, it was all a very positive response, though. And so the festival started sharing it amongst them, each other, like festival coordinators talk. And so they, they would um, I was getting a lot of offers from festivals I did not submit to, but would be like, hey, we heard about this through you know, um, uh, Greg up at Buffalo Dreams. And he said it was a great movie. Can we see a screener, et cetera. It really changed in a very material way after it blew up online and for the better. Like the, uh, we never we've never had a screening of this movie where there were like 10 people like it's been pretty consistently good at having an audience. But uh, we after the first screening I went to after it blew up online was at this convention called Texas Frightmare. And 
it was just in it, a, a world of difference. It was like people, they, we had played in Chicago the week before and there was a woman that flew herself down from Chicago just to see it again. Wow. She remembered wow. a lot of the lines and just sort of wanted to like see it again to make sure she remembered them correctly. And it was like, <laughs> There was just this palpable passion that that screening was standing room only like there there was no seats <laughs> and that has been the tenor of it ever since it's like every time we go to a screening it, it's just been this this genuine outpouring of of affection and, and I, I think that people are really um tapping into that that the the palpable love for just sort of movies and fun that exist in it. And uh, I'm really, really happy they're reacting that way. I, I will say also, the further we go along, just the more and more I'm like, Fernando created a cultural icon in Frankie Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I just have to stand back and let that happen because I, I every everybody loves Frankie and I'm very happy they do because it's the character I was probably least involved in the making of. That's very much Fernando's baby, so. He is hysterical, but you killed him. So I'm really, like, I that's know. really unfortunate because, you know, maybe sequel, you know? Well, I... I Although it's definitely the best death. Although, I mean, you could bring him back. I mean, I feel like with this movie, there's no holds barred. (laughs) Uh, You wouldn't even have to explain it. (laughs) No, this is definitely a movie universe where if Frankie Mermaid walked onto screen and I had a five-second flashback about how Actually, that was Frankie Mermaid's twin brother. It's like, it, you can do that. It yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that if we do another Velocipaster, I, I think Frankie will return in some capacity. I have awesome. an idea for it. Uh, okay. So we will see. All right. Well, can, can count us in. So I do yeah. want to, because we haven't talked about it yet, just to let people know where they can watch it. Because we, I know I watch it on Amazon. Where else is it available? And will there be uh, like DVDs and stuff? Yes, it is on Amazon. It's going to be on Vudu as well. Um, and we're, it looks like we're looking at like Comcast in demand, iTunes. It's, it's on the Xbox. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's on a lot of different streaming platforms and, and Google Play. So it's on those for streaming and rental. Uh, we do actually have physical releases. Um, the DVD came out a day or two ago. And should be rolling into like brick and mortar stores pretty soon. The Blu-ray, which is notably region free. So if you're listening to this outside of the United States and Canada, you can get the Blu-ray. Comes out in next month in September. I believe on the 17th. So that's available for pre-order right now if anybody wants it. Oh, that's great. We do have a lot of UK listeners. So that's uh, that works out. And Australian. Yeah. Um, yeah, and speaking of Australia, I'm a huge fan of Australian television and film. And I, when I first saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, lots of pasta. <laughs> and I was all excited, like, it's an Australian film. Yeah. That <laughs> what was the funny. heck? Why did you do that to me? <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> I, I, that was our, so the guy that does the voiceover in the trailer and voiced over the one ninja in the forest, that's our sound operator that's our boom mic guy who also did the mixing on the movie his name is brian and there was one day that we were just doing fun voices to each other and i just realized he did a dead on aussie accent and so it was just funny to me to like have an extra twist of weird in the trailer to just have it be to to inspire things like that to have people be like is this an australian film like why is he speaking that way um I love exploitation. So it, it, even though it doesn't really go further beyond that, I just really liked the idea of having a weirdly accented voice in it. And his his accent was much more convincing than anybody else's. So I just had Brian do it. I just thought it was brilliant. I was like, Lassa Pista, I got, I'm all over this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but you know, and then when it was like, oh, it's just an American film, okay. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, this is so funny because, you know, Every every shopping channel now has Australians on it, and every you know it's like that's the in thing, and I I totally fell for it. I absolutely awesome. fell for it. It was awesome. brilliant. <laughs> Brian is definitely from Long Island. <laughs> 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 
So I'm sure he will he will be very happy to know that it convinced somebody. <laughs> yes. So I did want to ask you about the ninja since you brought that up. I had that written down. When we first see a ninja at the beginning, I went, oh shit. <laughs> We're gonna have some like damn racial stereotypes and it's gonna and then it was like not like that at all. I guess, can you walk me through a little bit of your thought process when you were creating the ninjas and how to make sure that it, it was not going to be some racial stereotype, you know, sort of making fun of ninjas? Completely. Yeah, it, it, that was an interesting thing because, like, my... So, first of all, I put the ninjas in the movie because I had seen this film called Miami Connection, which I think is just, like... an endlessly brilliant, weird martial arts, no budget film. And and the thing that was so ludicrous about it was that it takes place in modern day Miami or like 1980s Miami when they filmed. And one of their presuppositions is that, well, you know about the ninjas. And it was like, what? What are you talking about? Why are there ninjas here? And and they never they never address it. They're just like, oh yeah, we got to stop the ninjas. And so I, I thought that was just so funny. And so that was the original reason I wanted to put them in. Because they are notably not in the original 2011 trailer. Like, that was right. sort of the escalation that came to me when I was uh, writing the feature screenplay. Now, in terms of the racial implications, it was very important to me that because this was a <clears throat> supposed to be a bad movie that was made ambiguously sometime in the 70s or 80s. It just kind of has that feel to it. It was very important to me that they get everything about the ninjas wrong, that they did not do any research. And in <laughs> fact, you know, ninjas are a culturally Japanese thing. Uh -huh. they, and, and they're so, in China. <laughs> yep, yep. It was very important to me that they never speak Japanese. They speak Cantonese, Mandarin, Korean, and English, and never <laughs> Japanese. And I just thought it was kind of funny to to, um, you know, the world has almost almost entirely for the better become a lot more just conscious of that kind of stuff. And every once in a while, you'll still see a movie where you're like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> where, where they just get something so, so horribly wrong with something like that. And so I thought it would be interesting and fun to kind of poke fun at that. Now, I will say that I think it's the one joke in the movie that I don't quite stick. <laughs> I, I think that it's ambiguous enough that some people are genuinely just confused and genuinely just think that I am an idiot. <laughs> it, it was very intentional. And it was yeah. supposed to be kind of a riff on, on these dumb white people making a movie and just sort of taking a cultural thing without knowing what it meant. Um, but unfortunately, I think I did that a little too well. So sometimes people just assume that I, I am, you know, a jingoist asshole. And uh, I'm, I hope that most people get the intentionality behind it. Because it was yeah. obviously, I am very passionate about Japanese film and Asian cinema. And I, I also am, um, just as a hobby, I love linguistics. I love different languages. So for me, whenever they're speaking, I'm just sort of like, like w when I see a movie and it's supposed to be like a samurai and they start speaking Korean, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and uh, I, so I don't know. I, I think unfortunately it's a joke that kind of, I, I did not hit hard enough, but that was the intentionality with it, was in fact to poke fun at that by highlighting it and yeah. sort of having fun with it. So I'm surprised that you I guess I'm not surprised if you went. I did see a review in which somebody was like, oh, uh, they're in China, but they forget that this costume is stereotypically Japanese. And I was like, well, no, that was the point. The point. That was the point, um, yes. <laughs> and I, so I guess I'm surprised because I do feel like it, it hit. Like, I mean, you have an Australian ninja and a white ninja, and they, yeah. they just speak all kinds of crazy languages. And then you have two guys who are just constantly 24 hours a day doing this yeah. really weird punch <laughs> and like kick thing yeah, and it just yeah. it it and then the laugh oh my god the oh. laugh oh the laughs oh. Are, yeah it's it's brilliant it's just yes it's yeah, super well you. done well and the fact that the the overriding problem in the world is declining enrollment i mean <laughs> that was just awesome yeah yeah and that's what they're concerned about and look they got a plan <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no. And I, I will say, I will say, okay. I think I think it does play to most people. I think most people understand what I'm doing. Uh, I think it's, I, I think I would uh, be maybe a little more careful in a sequel just to double underline what it is. Like, it would have to be something like if you go, uh, if, if they go to Russia and they meet Russian Cossacks, but the Russian Cossacks speak Hindi. Like, it's like, <laughs> it, it has to be like an escalation even more bizarre. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I am happy that it does feel like most people get it. Um, and, and I'm good with that. <laughs> so I want to ask you, because I just can't imagine this being anything but a total blast of film. I mean, just with the people who would want to be involved with this, you know, the material, everything. So I'm wondering what was like the most funny thing that you had happen on set? And what was the hardest thing to like explain that was supposed to be funny? Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I will say <laughs> probably the funniest moment on set was actually the first shot we did. And because it, it was also a, an immense sense of relief once it was actually filmed because immediately I was like, oh, this works. Um, it, and it was day one, shot one. And it is, minor spoilers for Velocipaster, it is the reveal of Doug's brother. And it was the pan over to him. And I just thought it was so funny. And and it, it just, everybody behind me on set cracked up. Like immediately, everyone was on the same page. And I think that was a real like sort of crucible moment where we all just kind of were like, oh, this works. This is like really funny. And so that is probably my fondest memory is actually basically the very beginning because I it was just such an immense sense of like, oh, other people think this is funny too. <laughs> um, in terms of the hardest joke to explain, I think that definitely uh, there were some... I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. Because I, I don't think there were any ever any performers or people on the crew that didn't believe in it. Um, genuinely, we all bonded very quickly. And it's, it's very much a cliche to say, like, it felt like a family. But it really did. I still talk to most of the crew almost every day. Uh, and we shot three years ago. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, it, it, we really bonded. I think that there were definitely some people that didn't quite understand what it was what it would end up being. I don't think they ever doubted in the moment that it was funny, but that kind of stuff can get very much distorted in post. Like I've been on a ton of movies um, of myriad genres where on set you're like, they are killing it. And then you like finally see the film and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think that there was that kind of reticence from people that they, they, they didn't, they might've seen animosity or some of my other short work, but I'd never quite done something that was this um, bizarrely ambitious. So I, I think that they were uh, not in a cruel way, but kind of tempering their expectations. Uh, and so I had a lot of them when they finally saw the film be like, it's fucking good. <laughs> and like, they, they were just so happy and proud and relieved that it, it was as good as they thought it was. A notable, um, a notable person for that was a, a Voltaire, who plays the exorcist in, in one of the scenes in the movie. He didn't read the full script. He read his part of everything. And he does a great job at it. But uh, it was definitely he, when he came up to me after seeing it for the first time, he was like, I didn't expect it to be clever. Like, like, I expected it to be sort of dumb fun. And I knew you were talented, but I didn't expect how weirdly smart it was going to be with things yeah. like ninjas. And um, that was, I think, if anything, that was uh, the hardest thing to explain to people was just that element of, trust me, it will be good. And this will make sense to you. <laughs> uh, and they did. They, they did trust me. So, Even when you brought out the, like, rubber hands and we're like yes we're oh, just gonna put them on when, we're just gonna said, do it okay well we're we're <laughs> this is our lives now <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny because probably the the whole the makeup effects that i thought were the best were in that exorcism scene yeah that was that was great makeup Her that makeup was really good really terrific um jen yeah. 
Jen was the makeup artist on an Academy Award winning short. Like she's good. And yeah. she she is just was so excited to be able. I think that was the thing with the whole project was that there's a permissibility to Velocipaster. It allows you to play as as an actor, as as a gaffer, as a makeup artist, as an editor. It's permissible enough that you can basically do whatever you want, which means you can have fun doing the things you're never asked to do. Like Greg has talked about how like how much he loved doing like the combat scenes because he's like, I get cast a lot as like the dick. I I'll be like a high school bully kind of character. Yeah. And he was like, it's so fun to just be this sincere, almost man child because nobody asked me to do that and I can <laughs> just chew it up. And so I, I think that that sort of mentality went through to everyone where, where it was like even Jen doing the makeup was kind of like, I'm allowed to play. And I, I think that that really is what brought out a lot of the great work. Even um, as a final note about that, our, um, our production designer was Chinese. It was, she's this incredible person named C-U, S-I-Y-U. And um, even in like the ninja camp and stuff, C would come up to me and be like, explain the Mandarin on the signs, because I can't read Chinese. And all of the... All of the signs are like three layered jokes and where it'll be like uh, in Mandarin behind them. It'll say something like, look out, dinosaurs, very scary. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or like, keep kicking until you feel the need to roll. It's like they're in Chinese. And like, you know, we're making this for primarily a, a, an English speaking audience. Yeah. They're not going to know that. No. But like that was the level that everyone was operating at where she just thought it would be funny. And she just did it to amuse herself and put it up in the background. And I, of course, was like, yes, see you. You are yeah. a genius. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I she's great. It. Yeah. Right away in the film, the a couple of the things that we love so much was, you know, when the parents blow up and it's just explosion <laughs> here. The, the and, moment, the moment, whether you know uh, you're in or you're out. <laughs> really. Oh I'm all in. And then next we're in China. And I'm like, wow, that looks like someone's backyard in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and now we're in China. <laughs> so where was this actually filmed? Was it <laughs> Like you could be in my backyard in upstate uh -huh, New York. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I want you to know, uh, as a real quick aside, I will tell you my favorite joke we had to cut. because uh, it ties into that. So there is a scene, it was during the training montage. Like, you know, we we're just rolling the camera during that and letting the actors kind of improvise, and we did not have sound recording. Um, we just had the on-camera mic. Doug and Carol were improvising a dialogue and Doug's holding the, the claw and he says, uh, Carol's like, where did you get it? And he goes, China. And she asks, how did you get there? And Greg looks at it and goes, I don't really know. <laughs> and everyone started cracking up because the fact of the matter is he drives to he drives China. China. <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny, but I couldn't find a good place to put it. And it's one of my favorite, it's going to be in the gag reel for the DVD, but definitely that was sort of the mentality of it. Even in the script, it said like, the text says China. It's obviously goddamn New Jersey. <laughs> uh, we did, we ended up shooting the entire film uh, in the Northeast of Pennsylvania in the Poconos and uh, in New York City for some scenes. That's, that's, um, I'm, I'm like, I've seen this multiple times now and I still, just thinking about it, I'm like, can hardly breathe for laughing so hard. Thank it's you. amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy to know there's going to be extras on the DVD. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what makes a DVD, man. Yeah. When they are stingy on the D on the extras, it's, why did I do this? I know. Well, and I, I also, I'm, um, you know, I became passionate about filmmaking primarily through DVD extras. Like, I, I religiously watched, like, the Rodriguez films because he was just sort of so transparent about it and so sort of unpretentious and very of the opinion of, like, yeah, man, you can just do it. Just do it. And, and like, that was so inspiring to me that he would sort of find ways to teach you how to do it. I wish that I had had... Um, 
more time to prepare extras. There, there's a there's a gag reel, there's a Q&A, there's a commentary, there's stuff like that. There, there's content, but uh, you know, the the press took off so so enormously afterwards that I just didn't have time to make more. <laughs> and I, I wish I had had time, but uh, you know, eh, we'll figure it out. We'll 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 put some out on the internet or something. Like <laughs> there you go. Well, it was brilliant, and and we appreciate you spending all this time with us and being just as funny as we hoped, uh, based oh, on your movie. You. <laughs> so, thank you. This was brilliant. Is there anything else you would like the fans to know? Uh, not not in specific. They can they can follow the Velocipaster on Twitter and Instagram at the Velocipaster as one word, um, and they can follow myself at Brendan Steer on both of the same. Uh, Which I and, think we're both doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is how this happened. Yeah. So <laughs> if people wanna wanna hear my thoughts about the Wachowski's masterpiece Speed Racer, they can follow my personal Twitter. <laughs> okay. And if they want updates on the movie, they can follow the Velocipaster. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, besides that, uh, yeah, it's available. So if people haven't seen it and they're interested, please uh please rent it or or buy it. I hope that they enjoy. Thanks, and tune in next week for another need-to-know session at the Crib. Follow us on Twitter, at Strike Back Crib, out. Out.